How are you guys doing today? Very good, thank you, sir. So, look, they're all saying now, well, he's probably going to go on there and beat Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had 38,387. And I saw an equation, Dan. If he averages 21.6 points for 70 games from now through until the 2022-23 season, he will pass that mark. Now, I'm just wondering here, is this a bit like, when remember when Tiger Woods was just on track to absolutely smash the gold, you know, the Golden Bears um, uh, amount of titles. Is there something, I mean, would you be sure that he's going to be playing that many games up until that amount of time? No, you can't be sure that he's going to play that many games, but certainly you look at where he is right now, 33 years of age, and you think he could play another four, five, six, heck, seven more years, especially the player that he's become. And you guys mentioned it before I came on, his ability as a point guard and he is now over 7,000 assists, the only player ever to be 30K, 7K, and 7K rebounds. So the way he is as a player, he's not just a pure scorer. Plus, he's got an unbelievable body. I could see him going five or six more years, and I do think that he will pass Kareem on the all-time points list. Wow. How are you going to feel about that? I'm going to feel okay about it. I think when you look at it, even if he is the all-time leading scorer in the NBA I don't think anybody's going to say that he's the greatest player in the history of the NBA. Already he's in that top eight. Maybe he's even in the top five, depending on who you ask. Of course, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, so many other great players in the past. LeBron's legacy, though, ultimately is going to be judged by how many championships he wins more than it will be how many points he ends up scoring. Hey, Dan, I was listening to the Dan Patrick radio program this morning as I was driving to work here in New Zealand, and he threw out a hypothetical. What if LeBron does get to that mark, but also goes to another team, let's say the Lakers, resurrects them and wins a championship there, i.e. he wins different titles at three different destinations. Does that bump up his value as far as the conversation is concerned? It does. I don't think that it bumps it up ahead of Michael Jordan. And remember, if you want to talk about championships, it all starts with Bill Russell, the pride of Mm. Oakland, California, where I currently reside, a man who won 10 titles in 11 years. So winning championships is a part of the puzzle. Scoring points is obviously another part of it. And and doing what LeBron's done with with the rebounds and the assists makes him a special player. But I think he would have to go to L.A., and win multiple titles and and get up around Jordan five or six championships for him to be considered the GOAT, as we say here, the greatest of all time. Meantime, the Cavaliers stink at the moment. They are dreadful. And And they all hate each other, and everyone's blaming everyone. How much of it's on him, the way that they're playing at the moment? I think a lot of it is because the head coach, Tyron Lue, is in place mainly because he is a LeBron I don't know about apologists, but he's a friend of LeBron. And that's why Tyron Lue, a guy who had no head coaching experience, that's why he got the job. And now you skip ahead to where they are. They've lost 11 of their last 15. It is a team in turmoil. They continue to add superstar pieces from the past, but none of them seem to be working out. You've got no chemistry. You've got no cohesion. You're a team that's in massive turmoil. So as much as we give LeBron credit, when they win, you have to give them equal credit when they lose. Yeah, but Dan, are we really are we really at panic stations yet? Because it seems like they do this all the time. Like They just take their foot off the pedal mid-season. Uh, LeBron lets everyone get together, and then they finally come right for the, for the you know, heading into the postseason. 
This is different, though, this time, because if you look at the standings, they are closer to being out of the top eight than they are to being in first place in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, normally when we've seen Cleveland have these hiccups, maybe they slip down to the two seed in the East. But this is a team that's seeded fourth or fifth right now, and the free fall shows no signs of abating. So I think this particular low for Cleveland is much different than those in the past. And, and I don't think that they're going to recover. I've had Boston winning the Eastern Conference when I did my predictions at the start of the year, and I'm sticking with the Boston Celtics to win the East. Okay, what's your favorite bit of NBA snap going on right now? Because there's all sorts of things. There was, uh, I think, uh, John Wall called um, J.J. Barrera a midget the other day, and then Barrera fired back with, well, no one on your team likes you. There's a whole lot of... Uh, scratchiness going on at the moment, and also the weird fact that things are happening at the Spurs, like Kawhi Leonard with the Spurs as well. What's your favorite thing, and what what have you guys been covering the most, uh, I, I guess, in your morning show? Well, being here at the Warriors' flagship station, we have all their games on our air. We've talked a lot about the referees, because Draymond Green and Kevin Durant are first and second in the league in technical fouls. So the Warriors, as much as they've had a great year, they're having difficulty navigating the refs. A lot of people think the refs are too confrontational now and that players aren't able to, to say their piece like they used to. To me, even though we cover the Warriors, I think a couple of the members of the team, Draymond Green and KD in particular, are taking the wrong approach with the officials and they're too adversarial. And So that's one of the storylines we've been following here because remember, when you get to 16 technical fouls in a season – and Draymond has 11, and Kevin Durant has 10. When you reach 16, it's an automatic one-game suspension. So it's something to keep an eye on here in what has otherwise been a great Warrior year. Mm. Uh, Mark uh, Mark doesn't think that Draymond Green should be uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. In, the, in the all-star lineup there. So uh, I'm, I imagine you think Mark should just get in the sea. But what the hell? Stephen Adams sets really good picks. Does no one need to set screens in an all-star game, Dan? What is going on? Explain for New Zealanders, what does Stephen need to do to be in the all-star game? He needs to start shooting the three, and he needs to have more Twitter followers, and he needs the good people of New Zealand to go to the polls next year when it comes time to vote for these players. And to take Draymond Green as the example of a player who doesn't belong, I think Mark is forgetting that the game is played on both ends of the floor. And as much as Steven Adams is a terrific defensive player, his offensive game still really in its infancy. Draymond Green is rubbish. the best defensive player in the league. It is not rubbish, my it's friend. Terrible. In fact, when you're Oklahoma City and dysfunctionality is your zip code, you don't get more than one all-star. And if they were going to take another Thunder player, it would have been Paul George. It would not have been the pride of the Kiwis. Oh, slap down, slap daddy. Dan Dibley <laughs> from 95.7 The Game. Green Green enough of us. He's useless. There's not enough of us. <laughs>